Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Book Journeys Radio, an interview series for authors in transformation. From the basic fundamentals of selecting a book topic and overcoming writer's block to advanced techniques for publishing and marketing your book. Don't forget to check out our complete schedule and archive shows at blogtalkradio.com forward slash book dash journeys. Now, get ready to make a difference with your book with your host, Vice President of the Author Incubator, Jen McRobbie. Well, hello, hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Book Journeys Radio, where we speak to accomplished authors who've gone from just having an idea for a book to a finished book, out making a difference in the world. Today's author is Sarah Richardson, and I'm super excited to talk to her uh, because it's April, and I don't know where you're listening from, but here in the United States, spring has officially sprung, and Sarah Richardson is a running coach. Her book is titled From Sidelines to Start Lines, The Frustrated Runner's Guide to Lacing Up for a Lifetime. So I'm sure Sarah is going to have some amazing insights to share with all of us who are really hoping that we're um, not frustrated runners anymore. So welcome, Sarah. Hi, Jen. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for being on the show and for being a springtime show person because I think it's the perfect time to talk about your book and your experience. Yeah, it is the perfect timing. (laughs) So I always ask um, our guests to first tell the listeners, what is your book about and who is it for? Alrighty, my book is all about how to ditch your frustration if you are a runner who's been trying to get back into the sport and it just isn't working. Mm. Um, and it's really it just shines the light on what's been roadblocking you for you know we talk about yo-yo diets, but I talk about the yo-yo running program where people start and stop and start and stop and they hate it. It's this love-hate relationship. They know what running used to bring or they know what running can bring, but they find themselves stopping and starting and stopping and starting and never getting to the full benefits that running can give to you. Because, honestly, you sort of have to do it consistently in order to truly get the benefits that we all hear about for running, right? You do. You do. It's, consistency is where the magic happens. Um, you know, it takes a while to get into that, and we really need to be patient with ourselves. And, you know, I've gone through it myself, and I've worked with so many clients who have just experienced that same yo-yo effect. And it, it does a number on your your self your self awareness and your your self-esteem really um so i try to help folks through that so is more of running or not being a frustrated runner is that more in our minds or in our bodies it's a combination what i have found is that in the running industry in the running world it's really easy to come by what i call aspects of the elder game lots of people put training programs out there lots of people tell you what to eat how far to run how fast you should be going um they teach you maybe form what shoes you should have all the gear i call that the outer game that's pretty easy to come by yet that's where people turn and then they sign up for a race and then they're like, wait a minute, I didn't even make it halfway through the training. What am I doing? And so right. they set themselves up for injury. 
And so that's what I find over and over is that these frustrated runners get caught up in the stop and start cycle, and often it has to do a lot with injury because they're forcing this outer game, but they're not tapping into what they really need as a person, as a human Mm. being, what their unique needs are. That's so true, Sarah. I mean, I know that just as as an occasional frustrated runner myself, I'll get so excited, especially this time of year. You know, it's beautiful outside today. So why shouldn't I go out and just run 10 miles? (laughs) Right, right. right. It seems so easy. And that's that's the misnomer is that all you need is a pair of sneakers. It's just like getting on a bike. Just get out there and do it. But when it's not easy, then we have a tendency to blame ourselves and think that we're at, you know, we're at fault. There's something wrong yes. with me, which is why I can't do it. So what I do is I really help runners tackle not only the outer game by customizing it for what they need, but I work with folks to really curb the inner game and shape it in a way that it fosters a loving relationship with running and exercise versus the torture, the the no pain, no gain philosophies that we hear so often. I love that idea of a loving relationship with running and exercise. Like it gives me goosebumps to even say that (laughs) phrase. It sounds like such a wonderful place to be. It is. It really doesn't have to be a chore. It doesn't have to be a torture device used if you ate a couple extra calories. That's how I see a lot of people acting with exercise, like, oh, I have to run because I ate X, Y, or Z. Where why can't it be a different relationship? Like, I can't wait to get outside and breathe that fresh spring air. I can't wait to feel the sunshine on my face. I can't wait to, you know, meet up with my best girlfriend this afternoon. Any of those Hmm. things, like looking at it from a totally different perspective. Yeah, you know, that makes so much sense. And it it really is in some ways a small tweak, but one I imagine that we'd need to practice. Yes, yes. Yeah. So how did you come about writing a book about Well, how did you become a running coach? And then how did that turn into deciding to write a book about it? Well, that's kind of a long story, but I'll give you the Reader's (laughs) Digest version. Um, I've been a lifelong runner my whole life, and um, I was faced with an injury in 2014, which sidelined me. And at the same time, Mm. I was getting remarried, moving to a new state, um, new new job. I was oh a boy. teacher at the time. So I had a lot going on, and I was like, this is perfect. I will take my break, let my body heal, and I'll get back into running in a little while. Well, a little while turned into about a year. I gained a lot of weight. I was put on anti-anxiety medicine because I couldn't stand mm. the way that I looked. And then every time yeah. I tried to run, it was so hard. And I'd gone through hiatuses before, but this one was different, and I didn't know what to do. So um, long story short, I changed my career, became a health coach, and and as I started working with people, I was actually attracting in runners. <laughs> huh, interesting. Same thing. Yeah. And I, as I figured it out for myself, I was like, this is what I really want back in my life, and clearly other people do too. So... I started shifting my business. I became certified to teach Qi running, which is a specific form technique. That is all about injury prevention and energy efficiency. It changed my life, got me back onto the 
onto my start lines. And I wanted to help other people do this, but what I found is the chi running was a tool, and it was fantastic, but it was only a piece of my four-year journey back from mm. the island. And what I wanted to help people do is create their own custom training plans, their own custom running journey, per se, so that they can take it from the frustration to, like, the love of it, the therapeutic part of running. Like, how do they get from A to B and really receive the benefits that running provides? Oh, I love that. Because it seems like in the sort of the health industry, I guess we'll call it, there's so much one-size-fits-all out there. Yeah. You know, like everyone – I don't want to call names, but like let's let's talk about weight loss stuff that we all know about. Like there's the Jenny Craig and the the um, Weight Watchers and stuff like that. And and in many ways, those are one size fits all. But what you're talking about is being able to talk to one person and finding out really what works for them. Absolutely, and I think it's it's a hundred percent necessary if you're going to be in it for the long haul. You know, there's yeah. a lot of programs out there like. Train for this 5K, but then what, what about when the race is over? What about right. if they miss a couple of days? Like, what, what about longevity? So my theory is more like how do we make running accessible for the rest of your life so that it's more practice than a check on the to-do list? Like, we think uh. of yoga as practices and, like, oh, it's so great. We relax. Running can be the same, <laughs> the same thing. And that makes so much sense when I hear you say that. But then, you know, I'll lapse into my, you know, I just came back from vacation, for example. And so getting back into exercise after vacation is like a slog. Yeah. Yeah. Is all of it, like, do you teach techniques for how to sort of reframe that? Absolutely. Uh, Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. There's so much patience involved and so much, um, it, and that's the inner game of running. It really is like working from mm-hmm. the inside out. How do you invite yourself to be okay with really stinking at running? Like when you know you're going to have a bad day, <laughs> how can you still be okay with with that run? But, I mean, honest to goodness, a bad run is better than no run. Boy, that's so true. That is mm. so true. Did any of this mindset work then that you did over the four years and that you now do with clients, did it help you while you were writing your book or was that like a totally different animal? No, it it totally was very similar. And um, actually writing the book helped me really frame what I was doing this whole time, honestly, it kind of worked backwards. I I knew what I was doing. And being a former special ed teacher, like I helped people move beyond their limitations 24-7 for 15 years. Like that was my forte. (laughs) So I just transferred it to running. But I never really had words for it until I had to sit down and get the chapters out. (laughs) So I found writing the book to be such a blessing um, to really bring me clarity around my process. So that's really interesting, Sarah, because I think a lot of people believe that they have to have it all figured out before they sit down to write a book. 
And I thought exactly the same thing. I really was terrified going into this. Um, I didn't have an idea in my head. I knew I wanted <laughs> to write a book. I knew it would be um, great for me personally. It was, you know, on my to-do list, but I didn't really have an idea. So I was scared going into it, but I knew that I had the right support system in place. <laughs> mm, yes. And uh, that made a huge difference for me. So what was the process like going from idea to really clarity on what you were going to write on? Well, we, um, in the program, Idea to Done, we really focused on our ideal reader, and that was significant. I knew who I was Mm. writing to, but then actually have to, again, put it into words and have somebody else understand who my ideal reader was, was great. I I mean, I had it rejected a few times and I was getting frustrated, but the minute I had it done, I could write the chapters so easily. It flowed out really, really nicely. So that was a, that was a huge benefit to, to have the ideal reader so clear. And that's interesting because, you know, Angela talks a lot about how um, your book is a love letter to your ideal Mm -hmm. reader. And so you're saying that that really helped you focus yourself while you were writing. It did. And, you know, I had concerns going into it because, you know, running a business, you want to appeal to everybody. Um, yes. <laughs> that's, that's what I always wanted to do. I can help anybody. But really, when you write it to one person, it becomes so much more touching, so much more yeah. relevant. Um, and that was absolutely true. Um, I was concerned because my ideal reader was a woman. And yes, I work with lots of women. And then what turned out happening is my first client from the book, the day my book went live, I got a male client, and I was like, see, he wasn't really? offended by me saying she. It was so great. It was just an affirmation <laughs> that it's the message, it's the wording, it's the clarity focusing on one person, that love letter, they can really feel it with their heart. Right. Yeah, they're not They're not so focused on how your examples might be women or, you know, how your ideal reader was a woman. It sounds like this this client of yours was more focused on wow, this woman really can help me get from frustrated to finished. Exactly, yes. Yeah, I love that. So like a race, you kind Mm -hmm. of start the preparations in earnest, right, and you're really excited about it. And then when you hit about the middle point, you think to yourself, oh, my gosh, what am I doing? (laughs) Yeah. Did that happen? Did that happen to you? Yes. <laughs> when you were writing your book? <laughs> yeah. And what and how it how it transpired for me is a few weeks in, I had a few chapters done and of course I told you that it took me longer to do my ideal client. I had to resubmit it a few times. But right. once I started writing, I got to like the third or fourth chapter and we're told to keep writing forward and your immediate tendency is that I need to perfect chapters one, two, and three before I can move forward. And I did not look back. It was really hard. Like I would have to walk away from my computer. So I didn't look back. And um, I never looked back until I submitted my last 
piece, and they went through it, and I never looked at it again until I had some editing to work on. Which Love it. In hindsight, was the best advice I've ever heard, and it was the scariest thing because I was like, <laughs> how is that going to work? How is it going to work? But what I was able to do is not go off message because it was coming through me versus my, I've always struggled with the intellectual self versus the heart-centered self. And I always write something and then change it to a textbook and then keep writing. So the voices were different. And this way I had the heart-centered me writing the entire time. And that made all the difference in the world. You know, it's funny how much our brains can really get in the way when we're trying to do something really <laughs> loving and good. <laughs> yes, and the same is true for running, yes. It is, but it, but at the same time, like if you're running, let's say, a 5K, you're not going to look down at your pace at the end of mile one and then say, wow, that was slow, I'm going to rerun that. Oh, my gosh, you're so right. <laughs> right, so... That's so the, true. So maybe instead of keep writing forward tattoos, you need keep running forward tattoos yeah. to remind your clients. <laughs> I love it. Because I don't know about you, I'm not going to turn a 5K race into a 4K race no, or into a 6K race no matter how no. much I enjoy running. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> yeah, so I think I'm pretty sure everybody listening can probably agree to that too, so... Yeah. Gotta, gotta, gotta love that. Did you, other than than just sort of driving forward, did you have any time when you sort of experienced any blocks where you didn't know what to write about? Um, it actually happened during my editing. Um, when oh. I when I got the first editing piece back, because I really had to focus on not making it a textbook. And because that's not what I wanted to write. I really wanted it to be personal. I really wanted it to help people. And as academic as I've been in the past, I learned more from, like, tell me, tell me it straight. <laughs> and right. that's what I wanted. So when I went into my editing phase, I was getting near to my deadline, and um, I needed to spend a weekend. I think I did three and a half days. My husband and I went down to a cabin with electric and no running water and we just holed up there for three and a half days and I went through the entire editing wow. process there. And wow. that was really nice. I just burned a candle and I would go for walks in the woods when I needed to clear my head and that worked really well for me. But I was getting anxious about the the tone and voice I, I just wanted to maintain that it came from my heart the going into the woods was a good was a good thing for me right I love that idea of taking the time when you're stressed or frustrated to reconnect well first with yourself right yeah and why you're you're engaging in this writing in the first place and then expanding that to your ideal reader and why you think it's important for them to read what you're what you're writing Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think we forget that self-care bit, that, that part that drove you to write the book in the first place. It's really easy to just keep push, 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 pushing, but we need to understand the expense that that brings into our lives. Does that make it better yeah. or does that keep us from actually getting where we want to go? Right. 
I would imagine it's pretty much the same with running too, right? It is. It's funny it how is. many parallels there are between writing a book and running a race or, or, or running know. for life. Yeah. I love that. So, so far, let's see, when did you publish? I published January 19th. All right. So what in those like ensuing four months, because we're almost like exactly four months, what is the best thing to have come out of you having written a book? Oh, my goodness. One? (laughs) (laughs) Well, we can talk about many of them, but what's the first one that comes to mind? The first one that comes to mind is it's a client that I've, you know, I've been working with since then. Um, The transformation that they've been able to achieve just by loving themselves more and being okay Mm. with taking it from a different angle. Um, That's been so rewarding. Just the the working with clients has been phenomenal. I'd say that's, that's first and foremost, just watching them shift from the super frustrated to like, wow, I got this. And guess what? Look at this picture. This is where I ran the other day. This is my, you know, the pride, the sense of accomplishment and it's like the anxiety goes away immediately right. when they start having more confidence, when they show up for themselves. That's what I see happening with my clients is they just start showing up in a whole new capacity. I I can't even imagine how rewarding that is. I mean, that sounds so ridiculously rewarding that it, it, everybody should run out and write a book where they can do that. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not about running because, you know, we have the expert here on, on the line, people. But <laughs> whenever you're an expert in, go out, run out, write a book on it so that you can experience this amazing epiphany in your clients. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm sure that many people listening, Sarah, before we go on and chat some more, they're probably wondering how they can get in touch with you because – if they're like me, they're, you know, staring at their shoes, sitting in the corner thinking, boy, my shoes look pretty lonely. So mm-hmm. um, I don't want to run out of time before we give people yeah. a way to get in touch with you. So what's the best way for people to reach you? I would say the best way, the quickest way would be through email. And I'm so open to you guys just emailing me. It's Sarah at riseandshine.run. It's S-A-R-A-H at riseandshine.run, all spelled out. And then my website, if you want to visit there and just learn a little bit more about me and what I do, my website is riseandshine.run. Perfect. It's a great place to find you. And so, everyone, just so you know, go on Amazon right now while we're still chatting and look up From Sidelines to Start Lines, and you can download it right off of Amazon. But right before... Uh, we started the show, Sarah told me that she'd be willing to send you her book for free if you sent yeah, her email. Yeah, I just want to get it out <laughs> to people. It is that time of year where if you're feeling frustrated, I don't want you to be in that headspace. So if you're interested in getting my book for free, please just email me um, at Sarah, S-A-R-A-H, at riseandshine.run, all spelled out. And just in the heading. Of the email, just put free book, and I'll know that you're requesting the free book, and I'll email it right over to you in a PDF form. See, look at that, folks. I mean, immediate 
you know, immediate response right here. You'll get a free book from Sarah. Um, and Sarah is also um, getting ready to start a 10-week program, right? Yeah, yep. It's um, from couch to consistent. It's 10 weeks long, and um, it's all about getting you off of those sidelines back onto the start lines, and not necessarily in a race form, but getting you back onto it, onto the road, getting you into your sneakers, and with some love, gratitude, pride, and confidence in your ability to stay committed to yourself and your practice. So that that actually raises a, a question, like. We talk a lot of times sort of in fitness circles or in running circles about, you know, being in race form or whatever. But for those of us that just want to run to be a little more healthy or because it clears our head, do we really need to be in race form? Like, what does that mean? No. (laughs) (laughs) No. And actually, that's such a great question because one of the – a huge portion of the book is about the four pillars. I I created four pillars around running. And so for me, it's never really about the race. It's about making running therapeutic. I want to feel better after my run than when I went for my run. I want it to be therapeutic in any way, shape, or form I I can make it. So I always want my runs to be therapeutic. I want my runs to be experiential. I want it to be memorable. What about it is yeah. going to make it, you know, was there an animal I saw? Was, you know, what was it that made it experiential? And then making it customized to you, your unique needs, um, mm. and then communal. And communal being more than just running with other people. Like some, my in-laws pick up garbage. They're in their 70s still walking and running. So, like, there's such a larger aspect of running that touches other people. When you run, you're impacting the rest of your family because you're improving your health. You're saying yes to you, putting yourself first. So I believe those four pillars, the um, therapeutic, experiential, custom, and communal, are the keys to making your running sustainable, not signing up for a race. That's an external validation and external motivation. So I I work on helping people come up with the internal reasons that they want to stick to it. And that makes so much sense to me because so many times, you know, I've signed up for a race and then you, you run it or, you know, you prep for it because you kind of feel you have to. And then afterwards, you have no drive to continue on. Right. And if it's part of the experience, so if you went into the race experience, making it an experience, so like I did five half marathons last year and, you know, one was in Puerto Rico, one was in uh, down in the Carolinas. Like it was so much fun. And so I made it a special experience for each of the races and that's what I help my clients do is how do you make the best situation out of what you're choosing to do instead of it being like you know and it's interesting because I think um, Angela does that with the red carpet launch for the book yep like yeah you write the book and then what it it goes live and that's it (laughs) but she (laughs) makes such a special event out of it that you can't help but fall in love with the process well, and you end up, you're right, you remember it so fondly, and mm-hmm. I, I can see this working with running, that when you remember that experience so fondly, then you want to recapture it or enjoy it again. Yeah. yeah. Oh. 
Well, we're unfortunately drawing to a close, Sarah, and I, I have so enjoyed talking to you about this, but I like to close with this question, and I want to give you plenty mm-hmm. of time to answer it. If there's someone out there listening to us talk and they know they have a book inside them about something that's really going to impact people's lives, like not being a frustrated runner anymore, Mm -hmm. but they can't bring themselves to put pen to paper, what's a piece of advice you could give them to maybe get them started in the right direction? You don't have to know all the answers. You really don't have to know all the answers. It'll come out in the process, and you're so worth it. Who would think that running would be worthy of a book? But (laughs) I've received so much positive feedback, and I didn't know all the answers. I hardly knew any of the answers going into it, but it was the process that brought out the magic and the gold, and, and you have that too. So it's possible. If I can do it, you can do it. Oh, there's nothing more to say after that. Please, if you're listening, send Sarah an email, Sarah with an H, at riseandshine.run. Get a free copy of her book, or, you know, if you feel like spending your money, go ahead, go on to Amazon and download her book. There you go. (laughs) Reach out to her, join her 10-week program, get yourself motivated, and if in the process while you're running you're thinking about running a book, writing a book, well, then you know where to come. Thank you so much for joining me today on the show, Sarah. Thank you for having me, Jen. And join me next week with another episode of Book Journeys Radio. This has been another episode of Book Journeys Radio, where we're changing the world one book at a time. To find out more about how you can get your book written, published, and promoted, visit www.theauthorincubator.com. 